Welcome to the Noble 2-3 Podcast. My, my Hey Stupid board right there. I can't see it. Oh. oh. Nice. Yeah, it's a list of things that I've incorrectly done in the past. <laughs> so, hey stupid, don't do it hey, again. don't do this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Corey Deal, welcome to the podcast. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing great. Good, man. So, it took us a couple weeks to... Uh, a month or so to about a month yeah to make this happen yeah it did sick kids and then oh my gosh schedule and yeah um i think the first time i think Addie they, they Avery both had a snotty nose and des was early on in the pregnancy yeah um so but yeah finally made it finally made it up man yeah so i'm i was just sitting here looking at all your challenge coins you've got so you're the first person to actually acknowledge him. Really? <laughs> like while we were recording. Dude, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So some of them, um, traded with a German paratrooper when I went over to Normandy. Um, let's see here. Got that one from doing honor guard during, um, the Normandy ceremonies. Right. That was really cool. And then we got the Cherokee one or yeah, we got these ones. Yep. Um, Let's see here. I haven't seen the stork one yet. That's my deployment coin. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yeah, there's a couple other fire ones. Yeah. Uh, Droke. Yeah. Um, yeah, got a couple different ones. I actually brought one, and I know. You keep it on you? Do you normally no. do you normally carry on you? Um, I try to carry one on me whenever I go out or anything or something like this. I knew you like them and would probably have a couple, so I brought one. So this is from my wife's, her dad's best friend. He was um, a FEMA task force um, commander, so he would run the type. I'm gonna get this wrong. Uh, there's a there's Just a big level incident stuff. Yeah, big incident. So he was uh, in command of 9/11 at Ground Zero for like a month, about six months after it happened. So they rotated in command teams over. They do a month rotation there. He was in command of Katrina like eight months after it happened. So this is his um, Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. Uh, Nation Prepared is IRCT operations coin. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he passed away a couple years ago from cancer that they think he might have gotten. Well, at Ground Zero. Ground, what, what do they call it? Ground, um, I don't know the, the term that they're using for the, the cancer. like 9-11 cancer or Ground Zero cancer. Yeah, or, something like that. Um, John Stewart was big on that. Yeah. Uh, the comedian. Mm-hmm. That's cool, though. Yeah, I was looking through them this morning because I'll pick one or one or two to get and take yeah, places. Cool. And I was like, man, that was, I think Drew would really appreciate that one. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So... Um. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, yeah, I got a couple different ones, and then the yeah, uh, the pen. I snuck that out of basic training. I when tried they, when they when they said throw it away. <laughs> yeah. I did a little sleight of hand and uh, I made it happen, dude. I, <laughs> I was like, that's mine. the only grenade I've ever thrown. I was like, I'm keeping the pen. Yeah, I was I, like, I'm not a combat MOS. I was like, this is my only chance. Right. I wanted I wanted to keep mine so bad. And we couldn't. They made us hold on to them and turn them back in. I think I, 
I think I found one. Did you? Before before it happened. And I think I picked it up, now that I think about it, and was like, okay, I'm going to do a little... A little switcheroo. A little switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, here you go. Yeah, here's my two. <laughs> and then I was like... Ah. And then kept mine. Yeah. Uh, they didn't shake you down afterwards? No. Oh, no, they did, but like I hit it well enough that I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, but your heart was pounding. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that thing upstairs, uh, or going down the stairs... Right. Um, ...that you said you liked, Des wanted to get into like painting at one point when we were back at the old house and she's like just do whatever you want to do and she's like i'm gonna do a quote and i was like all right i'll do a quote yeah um and the quote is like the hard work put the hard work puts you where the good luck can find you right so i think it was like my first or second shift ever working in EMS and granted it was non-emergency at that point. Like I worked my way up from non-emergency to 911 right. or yeah, uh, ALS uh, 911 stuff. And then eventually to where I'm at now. Um, but we were waiting on a, a dialysis transport or a um, doctor's pickup. And the guy I was with partnered for the day said that. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I a good like one. that. And he gave me like this whole story with it and everything and kind of explained it. And I was like, I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah. That's actually like my little quote part of my signature on my email. At work. Is it? Yeah. Because nice. I was like, I just loved it. I was like, dude, that's so true. Yeah. So it's, true. Kind of along the lines of luck favors the prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Or so there's one that I, I heard on a podcast and... um. Basically, it's along the lines of when the time to perform has arrived, the time to prepare has passed. Yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes like that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So, we've worked together. Well, so you started, you said you started in IFT. IFT. Inter, interfacility transfer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or non emergency. Yeah. Yeah, I worked at UMR. Back in the day. UMR? Yeah, United Medical Response. I don't oh. even think it exists anymore. I don't think so. Never heard um, of it. Yeah, I, I tried to get in like the Woodstock office, and uh, they only had an opening at College Park. Mm. So south of Atlanta. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Dude, I saw some stuff down there that I was like, I didn't know this existed in America. Mm-hmm. Like, you see the shanty towns in like Brazil? Right. The... Villages completely made out of sheet metal that exists in South Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is a different level of poverty. Yeah. It's rough. Like, you think people living in trailer homes is bad. Mm-hmm. And like, some people, they make them look nice. And like, that's, that's great. Like, absolutely. Like, do what's, do what you can do. But this, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, that's nasty. That's, yeah. When I worked at AMR, um, part-time for a little while right after i got my medic saw a lot of the same kind of stuff on the east side of atlanta DeKalb. did you do rural metro and then turn into amr or did you already no, come I, in when amr took over in the area no so amr always had the contract for the cab that's right never yeah mind. so i never worked in rosal for okay. them um uh, but yeah when i was over in the cab east atlanta that area saw a lot of the same those sheet metal blows off a roof somewhere and they yeah. get it and make them a little shanty and that's where they're at yeah so dude it was it was bad yeah 
It's rough. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I did not know this was in existence here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I did, I did um, UMR to rural metro, still BLS. Finally got on an ALS truck. Got a contract in the springs, so I was like on one of those dedicated nine one one trucks. Right. Not the like rural metro back in the day had like a Kaiser transport mm-hmm. contract, so it's like you could just get. Uh, tasked out to do a Kaiser transport, and right. those always took priority because, like, that's the money, I mean, like a priority contract. Yeah, that's the money. Um, so it's like you could be like passing by like cardiac arrest, and they're like, "Nope, keep going to do your Kaiser transport." Like, yeah. this makes no sense. It's, no, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I got a nine one one only down in the springs, so I ran a lot of nasty stuff down there. Yeah, the two eighty five uh, four hundred interchange. Yeah, rough, D- dude. There is some. Bad accidents. I ran on uh, 285. Yeah. Terrible. And then you came. And I, did, I, I applied multiple times to multiple different departments. Finally got hired on like the third round. Right. Uh, so it took me three years um, to get on with the fire department. Then um, you came. You were my rookie. Yeah. And then I was your rookie. There we go. So it's been a minute. Dude, that's been. How long you been there? Six. Seven years. Seven now. years. Yeah. I was going to say six. Seven years. Yeah, we got a little class page on Facebook, and Leslie the other day was just like, congratulations on, or happy 7th anniversary or something like that. And I was yeah. like, holy crap, seven dude, years now. It flies, dude. I'm at, it does. I'm, I'm about to pass. So we just passed 10 that we started recruit school, and we're about to pass 10 that we um, got our full-time date because my class started half were full-time, half were part-time, and they were hoping that by the time the class ended, we would all be full-time. So all our full-time dates are coming up. Did you start part-time? Um, I think I actually was one of the full-times. It's like half and half. I was um, on the list where I was at the cutoff where I think I was full-time. Nice. Yeah, same so, here. Yeah. And then uh, we went from there to EMT school and then came out. So beginning of next year will be our tenure in the field. Yeah, I remember when I came in the field, you had just finished medic school. Yeah. So I was doing my like... 10 on the box just to get introduced and yeah. then you were doing like your 10 on the box as a brand new medic yeah and then yeah. the chaos that ensued from oh my gosh we were i ran we ran some wild calls there in those 10 well i actually did so i did like eight and then i got married i took some shifts off and then they made me start over and do my 10 again because yep. they were like it's 10 in a row yep. it's not 10 and i'm like okay but I got married a month out of recruit out of paramedic school. So yeah. I, to, yeah, I was I there. Like, yeah, I, yeah, dude, it was a that was a wild time. Yeah, wild time. And so now you went from there. FAO to sergeant to lieutenant. Now yeah, you your own crew. Yeah, got my own crew. I love it, dude. Um, I have a great crew. I have some jam up firemen that work with me. Where are you at? Nine. Okay. I thought you were at 12, and then... Yeah, my first assignment as a lieutenant was at 12. And um, then, I I guess, what, is that BC doing yeah. something with... Um... He went back to B-shift. Okay. Yeah, so he went back to B-shift, or went to B-shift, uh, and there was an opening at 9, and I slid down from 12 to 9. Okay, so that's your permanent assignment now? Yep. Okay, I didn't know if that was like a temporary thing or... 9A, man, so... Nice. Oh, dude, I'm loving it. Yeah, you got a great crew up there. I do, dude. Some of those guys are just... Or down there. (laughs) Yeah, we're down there from here. Um, Those guys are awesome. We're training every shift. I don't have to 
get on them about much. I've got four rookie non-drivers right now. Oof. Yeah, um, so that's kind of rough, but we're making it work. They're moldable. They're receptive to training and learning. My brand new guy, he's um, eight. I think today's his. I'm off today. Um, I think today's his eighth shift in the field, mm-hmm. and dude, he's just like eating it up. He wants to learn everything. He wants to know everything. He's always coming like, hey, LT, what do you want to, what are we going to train on? What can I learn? What can I research? Is there any good material you can recommend? And so um, really impressed with him. The other three guys I have are coming up on their one year soon, starting at the beginning of the year. And um, they're all eager to start driving and learn how to pump and we're, that's kind of cool that you can like knock out like task books like all at once. Yeah, we, we're gonna have we're gonna have three guys in a task book, um, which would be good. We can just set up one station and they run through it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then, Dude, what's your thoughts on like now being like the guy in charge of having that rescue that most of the time is staffed by rookies, um, having almost like free reign to do what they want i yeah it it makes me nervous some days i run a i run with them on calls that sound like there's anything if i'm on the engine um we'll we'll roll that way non-emergency just we won't even go over the radio we'll just kind of roll with them if something happens we'll go run our call but if we have the ability we'll go and roll with them on something um just kind of give them some guidance we've sat down a lot so i've taken the the three more senior rookies and sat them down and we've gone over like decision making you know how do you make your decisions well start with this and then go to this and this and then if you can't figure it out from there you can call me or my sergeant and um or one of the other senior guys on the crew like don't be scared to call for help um that kind of stuff so it's been it's been it's not a challenge because they're all good dudes and they all want to do good and I don't have any issues out of them. Um, but as a lieutenant now with that crew, it's just one of those things that it's always in the back of my mind. just kind of makes me nervous. But I think that would be with anything. Yeah. You know, as an officer. Um, especially I've been there a month now. So I'm still learning a lot of these guys. I've got one guy that I worked with before at Station 1. Um, so we just picked up like we used to work together it's been really good and then everybody else there i'm learning and they're learning me so nice yeah man i got a i got the my new newest guy uh he's married he's got kids so he's having to learn like how to be a family man in the fire service yeah and it's like he's already He's like, how, how do you, you know, he's picking up a lot of shifts. And uh, actually, I've got two two guys that are new that have families and kids and um, picking up a lot of overtime shifts because they got to support a family. You know? Eager to learn, eager to. Eager to learn, eager to run the calls. They yeah. want to go and but they want to do get it. get that extra money. They need that extra money. They're working a lot. Um, but then they're and gone. one of them, yeah, and one of them has already brought up the, man, I'm gone a lot. My wife likes the. She likes that squad pay. She likes that extra check coming in. She has, but she's she's frustrated some days with how much I'm gone. And we had to sit down, and we didn't have to. I wanted to sit down with him and be like, hey, man, like, 
you're 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 a husband and a dad first. Like this yeah. place is it's important, you know. I understand you need the overtime and that you know, but make sure you take care of your your family first, man. So Yeah. Yeah, dude. Is he trying to sign up for like 24-hour shifts or day, day he's, trucks? He's taking whatever. Taking whatever yeah, he can get. Whatever he can get. Um He kind of he I remember his first check where he had I think he had like two 24 hours and a day truck on it. He was like, oh, man, that's nice, you know? And I was like, yeah, man. Don't get used to it. I was like, be it. careful. Be careful. You start needing that. And and then uh, it's probably two months later, a couple checks later, he was like, yeah, I see what you're talking about. That, that was that's starting to cause some waves. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Something you got to learn, go through. But... Being gone like 24 hours is hard enough for sure. Yeah. And I mean, like right now, just for me, it's like not, not even having a kid yet, but just having a pregnant wife. And yeah, she's definitely admitted to being more clingy right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, and she's just like, I don't want you to go. Yeah. And then us like talking about it, like, hey, I'd like to pick up if possible, like maybe two extra shifts a month. Just try and get one on each paycheck or pay cycle. Yeah. And that 48 hours being gone that she's like, oh man, oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm <laughs> and then there. to add kids into it for sure. Like it changes the dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm married with two kids and when we were dating and just married and it was just the two of us, it was very easy to call her and be like, Hey, there's a, there's a shift open. Care if I work it? No, go ahead. Like she was very, she's very That's what independent. Like she's like, if you need to take it, take it. Yeah, no questions asked. Yeah, she's very independent. Uh, I never worried about her being gone for forty-eight or, you know, military. You're gone for two weeks, a month, six weeks. You know, yeah. whatever. Like you're like, oh, they're they're good. Like, yeah, yeah, I miss them. I love my wife. I love my wife more than anybody else on this planet. You know, but the being gone from them and missing them is different than knowing that you're needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like now she's got two kids and, um, or now we, I guess I should say we have two kids cause <laughs> she had them. We, so yeah, you're a part of it. <laughs> ah, yeah. So now having two kids, she, she has days where if I'm gone on shift, I can have a terrible night and she had just as bad a night, you know, at home with the babies. And then the next morning, I don't feel like going to do this 24 hour shift, much less anything else. And she gets up and she's got to get up. She's got to get the kids ready. She's got to feed them and take them places and do things with them. And yep. it's, it's hard on her and she needs me there to help her through that. Does she have you know anybody I mean? that she can lean on? That's like close. Yeah. So family, friend wife? Um, my mom is our neighbor. So that's nice. Mom lives next door. She takes the kids uh, when she can. Catherine works Monday through Thursday, and my mom works Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So somebody's around all the time for the kids. So we're very fortunate we don't have them in daycare. Nice. Uh, and then my dad lives down the road about 15 minutes, so he can help out if... Uh, you were saying that, and I was like, I thought your dad lived next to you. Yeah, so he did. And when he got remarried, the house he lived in, he moved out of. Oh, my okay. mom sold her house in bought the Chattanooga one. area. And then bought it from him and moved in next door. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I got both my parents pretty close now for the first time since I was in high school. Um, so that's nice. They're there to help out, and they love keeping the girls. But but even still, when even if they can't, you know, 
um, that her needing somebody. And it's harder for me now to pick up those extra shifts knowing that I'm leaving her to keep the girls for another 24. Dude, kids are hard, man. Oh, I don't doubt kids it. Kids are hard. You'll learn. Yeah, that's I mean, what everybody says. I love, like, oh, great. <laughs> I love my kids. They are the most frustrating people in the world. So my uh, oldest, she's two going on 13. And um, she's learned the words, you know, no and stop and pushing. And, like, she's she's just she's just a kid, man. And yeah. um, my youngest has started rolling over and sitting up and babbling and doing all the cute baby things, which is fine. But, like, last night, Catherine was at work. I was home with the girls. It had been a day already. Addie was throwing stuff. She had hit Avery. She had... Um, just been clingy and then not want anything to do with you and just your back and forth so I was trying to cook dinner for us and Avery had spit up and then both of them needed diapers and then Addie didn't want to be put down and then she didn't want anything to do with dinner she threw her plate across the room so it was like for in like a span of an hour I went from like I love these girls so much. They're the best thing in the world, too. I could sell you for $20. That's fine. Like, <laughs> I'm over it, man. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, but you have that, that feeling of, like... You see that SNL skit, the, the nap time? And it's just like, this is chloroform. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, I... I just... That's wild, but... um, you get it once like you get where all the jokes come from of like parents and kids chloroforming their babies like i would never do that you know hear me i would never do that but um, but you understand but i get it you know <laughs> i get I it get it you know people they talk about like when i'm gonna be when i'm a dad i'm gonna do whatever and then you become a dad and you're like man i was crazy to think all those things so it's, but I love being a dad. It's the best thing in the world. My girls are to be to be the ages they are. They are so good. They're such good kids, ninety nine percent of the time. And I can't ask for for better kids, man. Um, we took them to Oregon to see Catherine's family a couple weeks ago. I think right before when they were sick, uh, we were supposed to be out over here, and then I had to cancel, and then I had to, like. 10 days that we were going to be gone. So that's what right. took so long. Yeah. And, um, did the whole flight out there. Girls were super well behaved. They napped. They didn't throw fits. We landed as a five hour flight from here to there. It was a one way. And, uh, the lady behind us stood up and she was like, your kids are amazing. She goes, I never, she goes, I got on the plane and I thought this is going to be the longest flight ever. And then we landed and she was like, Y'all are doing awesome. And that was really cool to, to have somebody, a stranger, come up and be like, hey, your kids are great. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, you mentioned earlier the military and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember you had called me at one point, and you're like, hey, man, I'm like really considering joining the military. Yeah. And we had like a pretty serious conversation about it. We did. Because like I had, I had done the reserves. I had deployed. I had gotten out. Yep. And you were asking my honest opinion of it. Yeah. You still happy you did it? <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. That's the... Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, you, are you first off? Are you still in? I got eighteen months. Okay. Yeah. Are you going months. to reenlist? No. And it's not for the reasons that most people don't reenlist. I love what I do in the military. I love what I do in the army. I'm a medic. I love my job. I have some great medics that I've worked with. I've learned um, how to perfect some of my trauma skills by doing it through repetition there and having some cases in the field and that kind of stuff. I love what I do. I love who I do it with. My unit's great. My leadership is great. Um, and that's not something you hear that much in the Army. You know, like, dude, it is rare that you have somebody come in and they're like, yeah, everything's pretty good, you know? I kind of like this. Um, yeah, mine was 100% toxic. Right. <laughs> Um, when I joined, I didn't have kids, you know, I, uh, so new priorities, right. I, um, I just don't want to keep being gone for, cause my unit has a super high op tempo. I mean, we're one of the busiest guard units in the country. We have a higher op tempo than most all units. What does do. that mean for those who don't know? Okay. So when they talk about doing the National Guard, one week in a month, two weeks in the summer, right? The rate at which you like show up to drill and kind of stuff, that's your op tempo. That's how fast or how, how often you're needed or how often you deploy. My unit deploys a ton for a guard unit. Um, they were on a deployment when I joined. I came in, they were just getting back, and the unit's prepping for a deployment in like the next two or three months. So I'm not going as of right now. Uh, I'm on the bench. World War Three is like on the brink. Right, I know, man. How do you feel about that? Like current situation and everything, knowing you're in the military and you could be called up. Um, especially with low, uh, what's the word? Retention numbers right now. Yeah, yeah. Low numbers. Overall. I'm, I'm doing okay. Okay. Um, I'm good. Uh, if I was with a unit that I felt were a bunch of scrubs, I'd be a lot more worried. But I have some jam up dudes in my unit. Right, I mean, they just have some dudes who've seen a lot of combat. They've been on three or four combat deployments, uh, and you don't have that a lot in those guard and reserve units. I've, most of my leadership has been through um, combat and multiple deployments, so I feel I feel as comfortable as you could be in the military in a guard unit with the potential break break of a world war war breaking out. You know. Um, as of right now, they haven't really talked to us a whole lot about it. There hasn't really been a lot of chatter about what we would do. My unit's going to Kosovo. So, that's Serbia. Um, kind of that in between. Have they mentioned, like, what your deployment would be? Like, more of just like a... Right now, uh, it's just a peacekeeping mission. It's not a combat deployment. Right, yeah, um, but I meant, like, it just going over there just to train or being kind of, like, helping out... We're a, we're a we're a deterrent for the Serbias to invade Kosovo. So basically in the 90s... Yeah, there was that was a, a big thing. Yeah, there was an area of Serbia where these people lived. The Serbian government and them had a disagreement and they came in and started picking a fight with this small area of this country. And the U.S. stepped in and said, you need to quit killing all these people. And we whipped their butt and sent them back over to Serbia and then Kosovo created their own country. It's not a recognized country by some powers. Um, so like obviously Serbia doesn't recognize them as a country. Uh, there are other spider. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> just looked up and I'm like, so does the United Nations um, I think the United Nations recognizes Kosovo recognizes as a country okay um, but I think outside of the United Nations I don't know if they do or not okay anyway so basically we're going over there to sit on the border the northern border of Kosovo and be border security and then that'll be most of the most of the unit and there's a small unit that'll be integrated into the cities and they'll go around and meet with key leaders and gather information and help plan like infrastructure and how to help the country progress. And Is your unit kind of like all medics or do you got like, no, I'm in a, I'm in a cab unit. Oh, okay. so we're mounted. Okay. We're okay, mounted. So that makes sense. Yeah. Mounted cav Humvees and 50 cows and Mark 19s. And I'm in the, the platoon sergeant's truck which is a 50. So my platoon sergeant, uh, he's pretty cool. My driver, he's a cool dude. But me and my gunner, um, we got super close. He's one of my really good friends now. Um, what rank are you? I'm a specialist. Okay. I'm an E4. E4 Mafia. Yeah, I got in as an E4, and I'll probably get out as an E4. So Mafia is the best place to be. <laughs> dude, I love it, man. It's so much fun, especially as a medic. Bro, you get so much um preferential treatment as a medic. Nobody messes with you. Everybody is very, um, hey, you know, I get a lot of requests of like, hey, doc, we need you to look at this, or hey, we need you to do whatever, you know, medically. But outside of that, the the scouts and the the other guys, the mortarmen and all that that we have attached to us, dude, they have a lot of crap they have to put up with, um, and I don't. I get to go with my medics and be like, oh, we're going to train or whatever and we'll go and hang out and we'll train we'll talk yeah. about stuff but D- don't mess with the guys that are gonna save yeah, your lives <laughs> it's it's nice man if you ever think about joining um medic's the way to go yeah that's what uh yeah one of my rookies is palmer yeah palmer me and palmer were in we were in the same unit yeah he said he got moved to, or transferred to savannah yeah he's like oh. yeah that was a rough day man we were i was uh i was pretty heartbroken when he left he was a lot of fun to work with in the guard so we had a good time. He said he got um, promoted without even trying. Dude, I told him he was getting promoted. So he didn't know. I had got I got a phone call from somebody, one of our staff sergeants or sergeant for classes about the medics in my in my unit. So so the one oh eighth has HHT, which is where all the medics are assigned, and then we have Alpha Bravo and Charlie um troop underneath them. So you go to HHT and you get farmed out to these other troops. Well, we were in Bravo Troop together, and somebody from HHT called me, and uh, he was like, "Hey, um, what's up with Specialist So and So, one of the um, specialists under me and Palmer?" And uh, I was like, "I don't know. You need to call Palmer, Palmer, because we didn't have a sergeant. Because the troops have a sergeant and three specialist as medics as the you have the HH the headquarters element of that troops medic is a sergeant and then I was first platoons medic we had second third medic it was like he was calling about the seconds medic and uh I was like I don't know you would have to call Palmer he goes oh yeah Palmer's gone I'm like what do you mean Palmer's gone like I just talked to him we're planning on you know doing this stuff at drill in a couple days he was like no nah, man he got promoted he's getting sent to Savannah I was like, does he know that? Because I don't think he knows that. Yeah, he was saying like he just got like a phone call one day. He's like, hey, you got to report to drones. And he's like, yeah. What? So so I called him 
And I was like, hey, man, are you getting promoted? And he's like, nah, man. I'm Not that I know not of. Not that I know of. I'm, no. I said, well, I just got a call from so-and-so. And they were like, yeah, he's promoted. He's going to Savannah. And he looked at his, I think it was his iPerms, which is like your record keeping for your military. And he was like, holy crap, I'm a sergeant. <laughs> and I was like, well, con- congratulations, man. Like, that's cool. And then, uh, so, it's. Then he got a phone call, like you said, like a day or two later. That they were like, "Hey, congrats! You're promoted, Sergeant. You're going to take control of this unit as the medical NCO for this detachment in Savannah or whatever." So, I was proud of him. He's a good dude. But it was uh, that's how all that happened. So it's weird to hear like him being like in charge of stuff. Yeah, and like him talking about like the military side of stuff because like at work he's very like kind of shy about certain things yeah and he just kind of he's kind of a quiet guy yeah he's quiet i mean like he can he can come back with jokes every once in a while and he'll he'll talk trash just like any of us but for the most part it's you're like you're you're in charge of people Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's weird kind of weird to hear yeah but yeah i love him he's he's a good guy yeah so he was the specialist in charge and he got promoted and shipped out so then i became at that time the senior medic but they didn't give us another medic because we didn't have any more. So we ran the troop with three medics. So I was the headquarters element medic, and I got moved to third thirds medic. Um, and so that was a that was a pretty that was a pretty interesting time in my military career because I was I had two different superiors pulling me two different ways because two different whole platoons of people needed stuff from me, and uh, that was pretty that was pretty wild. But so I'd have to go. We we went to um, XCTC that year. What is that? Um, yeah. So yeah, all the acronyms. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I can't remember what it stands for. Um, training. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a month long out in the woods. Okay. Yeah, field training. Field training. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's it's the prerequisite to go to JRTC. Uh, okay. So you go, you do uh, crew weapons qual which is your truck goes up and shoots targets with your crew serve weapons. Then you go to XCTC, which is a it's a two-week actual training, but you're out in the field for two weeks straight, and your unit has to move, maneuver against elements and resupply you, and they have to hit all these benchmarks. And then from there, you go to JRTC, which is your main big force-on-force, division-on-division style um, battle games. Battle games yeah. at uh, Fort Polk or Fort Johnson, whatever it's called now. And then, um, so we just did that this year. Uh, and then from there, once you finish the JRTC rotation, you become deployable. And then you have a ready year. You go on your deployment, you come back, and then you have a rest year. Then you start over crew serve, XTC, JRTC right. deployment. So, did you have to do anything with uh, COVID? No. You didn't get, like, activated or... So I was actually in AIT when COVID happened. So I joined in 2019. Okay. For basic. I left October... I thought you joined earlier than that. No, I left October 5th. I actually left... So my entrance into the military was pretty hectic. I left September 26th to go to basic, and I went to Fort John... Fort Jackson. Johnson and Jackson, man. I went to Fort Jackson in South uh, in Carolina, South Carolina. Carolina. South Carolina. Um, I get there, I go through in processing at reception. 
did everything. I was in the ship line. I had my bags. I'm like ready to run up on, get on the truck. Did you get the shark attack? Yes, we'll get there. Okay. So, so I'm going to run up to get on the bus to go to our actual basic trip. So you go to reception, then you get on a bus, and they drive you across the base, and then you get to your basic training unit, and that's how you enter basic training. You don't step off the bus from the airport or whatever into basic training. There's a process you get into. So as I'm running up to get on the bus to go to our actual basic training unit, the drill sergeant's standing there. He goes, stop. I'm like, I'm holding my bags. I'm like, yes, drill sergeant. He goes, who are you? I'm like, deal, drill sergeant. He's like, you're not on my list. I'm like, what? He's like, you're not going with me. He turns around and leaves. Leaves 10 of us standing there holding our bags like, what just happened? Are we, what? So the drill sergeant in charge of reception comes out. He goes, huh, go get ready for chow. For dinner, chow, and we're like, whoa, 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 man. Like, thought we were supposed to, like, today's the day, you know? Like, we're, we're all hyped to go, and he was like, look, sometimes they overbook. Something happens. They book too many people to go into this basic training slot, and you 10 are the 10 that got left out. You know, sorry. So we're like, well, what does that mean? He goes, ah, we don't ship another class to basic for, like, three weeks. So we were going to have to stay in reception for, like, three weeks. At Fort Jackson. So we're all like, oh man, dude, this is like, this sucks. I was so there kinda, for like a day. Yeah. Right. Reception? There was one day in between and that was terrible. Reception is the absolute worst part of the military. Purgatory. Oh, dude, it is terrible. Oh my gosh, it Just is the, the worst. Waiting. Oh, waiting. Then you have the hold, holdovers who were like, they got there and they like had a mental breakdown or they want to get out and they, you know, they haven't even made it to basic. They're already you know, or the recycles. whatever. Yeah. Or the recycles. So you're just like, it was like 10 of us who were like actual stable minded people that wanted to go through this. And then there was a hundred people there who were like suicidal or like there was this one dude. I'll never forget him. I know his name. I'm not going to say it though. He legitimately had a mental like snap. He would walk around in his silkies, the undergarments with his underwear on the outside of them. And that's it. And like, he would yell at the drill sergeants and like punch walls and like eat grass out of the yard. Like some people were like, Oh, I think he's faking it. And I was like, I've seen some legitimately crazy people. He's legit. Like he's absolutely outside his mind. So he, I guess he just got there and the stress, he, his mind broke, man. So like, I'm dealing with that. So we're there for probably seven days, six, seven days. And the drill sergeant calls the 10 of us down. He's like, hey, go pack your stuff. Five o'clock in the morning, you're getting on a plane. You're flying to Fort Linderwood, Missouri to go to basic there. So the next morning we get up, we go, we go to the airport. They fly us to Missouri. We get on a bus. We have to do all of reception again because Fort Jackson didn't put any of our records in. I got all of my shots twice. I got the peanut. Yeah, I know. I got the peanut butter shot twice. Dude, it was... Surprised you didn't come out autistic. <laughs> Dude, I know, right? Well, I, a little bit. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> had to go everything twice, and then we actually... So we got there, like, on a Friday night. We did all of reception on Saturday, because there was only 10 of us, so they just ran us through Saturday, and we did it all. God. Sunday, we had a rest... or They called it a rest day. It wasn't a rest day. We got up at 3 a.m., and they kept us awake till midnight, just doing stuff, and then... Monday morning we got on the bus and actually shipped to basic. And then yes, we had a shark attack. The whole the whole nine got off the bus. 
Uh, so we we get on the bus and they like put your heads down and like we've all got our heads down and like bags in front of us they won't let us look up and they're like because they don't want us running away or whatever knowing where we are they drove us around the base in circles we finally pull up and we get off the buses and they're screaming at us and there's a hundred drill sergeants there and yeah we had a shark attack so and then uh it was missouri it was i finished in december 20th so then i actually my basic ended and i came home for holiday block leave for two weeks and then i flew to san antonio for ait but the last two weeks in December, it snowed like knee deep. So they had us out there rucking around and in the field and all the things in snow. And then a then a tornado happened one of the nights on our forge. So we were yes. our four day FTX, like the third day, we had to like all run to this like grove of trees and like hunker down because there was a tornado coming through the base and stuff. It was wild. Yeah, a wild time in basic. It yeah. was fun. I was there. I I went in on New Year's Eve, so they they were okay. exceptionally mad at us. I bet because they're just like I could be yeah. <laughs> somewhere else getting drunk right yeah, now. Yeah, I could be. I gotta deal with now. you. Yeah. Um, and then like in the middle of it, uh, I was at Knox in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and the only two places in the state that had power from what we were told at the time was Knox and Campbell. Right. Um, the whole state just like lost power. Like huge, um, uh, huge winter storm came through. Yeah. They're like, if you're cold, like at one point, like even the base was like losing power. Um, they're like, you have permission to actually like use your sleeping bags in your bed because it's going to get so cold. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like They wouldn't let us. So Missouri in winter, 10, 8, 4 degrees. They wouldn't let us wear any of our snivel gear. Like we couldn't. Wear oh, no, we didn't. We didn't, didn't get to wear that. But yeah. like at nighttime, they're just like, look. It's yeah. going to get cold. If you want to sleep in your sleeping bag, yeah. you can't. Okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that was a big deal because you had to make your bed every morning. Yep. So we had a lot of guys the first couple nights would they'd unroll their sleeping bag and sleep on top of their bed. I did. And then get up and then every roll day. it up. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Our drill sergeants, so we had bays, um, like 10 bed bays. We had like five of them. We didn't have the big one open room. So our drill sergeants would come in and they caught a couple people sleeping on top of their beds in there. Um, sleeping bags. And they flip people out of mattresses, through lockers, like whole nine, man. Do you ever get the uh, the card, the red card? No. The the um, like a stress the, str- card? the stress card. The no, stress card. no, that was not a thing. <laughs> Do they not ha- at all? They handed us at, at each one, and then they like immediately went around and like took them back up. Yeah, <laughs> they're no, just like they we're not even, playing that, game. that wasn't even like they're an like, option. We checked that box, like we gave them to you. Yeah, <laughs> but you're not gonna use them. No, we there was no stress card or anything like that. That was one of those things that like they started to implement, and uh, luckily, since like we weren't is is Leonardwood um, all male or is it coed? No, it was coed. Okay, so I went through so, a coed. So Knox was only male, was it? And I think that's the only reason they were able to pull that off. Yeah, um, that like they're like, no, we're not playing that shit. Yeah. So it's like, here's your card. Give me your card. Yeah. No, I went through, um, it was so, co-ed, um, a lot of 88 mics, so Leonard Wood is your MP, your drivers, your ordinance, um, EOD kind of stuff. Um, it's weird, like, I was one of, like, three medics that had come through there, because they don't, that's where medics go to Jackson most of the time. So, yeah, Leonard Wood, 
was it was something else, man. All your chemical seabird and that kind of stuff go through there. But yeah, no, it was a it was a fun time. Like I enjoyed it. But looking back, I'm like, I don't want that. Nah, nah, I'm good. Did you get like every every one of them? Like get you get like the smoke fest, like consistently oh, yeah. throughout. Just like PT, mm-hmm. you're just you're steaming. You're just you're yeah. you're in a pile of sweat. Um, Do you ever get like punished beyond like a normal smoke fest? Yes, twice. Um, one was a guy fell asleep on guard in the middle of the night and he woke us up at, he woke the whole bay up at like three in the morning. It's when he came up and the dude was, he was like sitting, we had a little like uh, drawer for like files and stuff and he was sitting on it and he was leaned up and like the door where the drill sergeants come up the stairs is right there. Like you can't hide. He opened the door. And he was asleep. He didn't do that easy or anything, you know. So, um, he woke all of us up, smoked us. Then, after what we thought was going to be the end of it, right, he was like, all right, I want everybody to go grab your sheet off your bed. So, he goes, you have 30 seconds. So, everybody has to run to their bed, rip their sheet off, come back and hold it. He's like, all right, ball it up. So, we balled it up. He's like, all right, squat and hold it out in front of you. So then we'd do that. And he'd be like, all right, over your head, left, right, hold it out, all right. It's just a sheet. You're like, okay, this isn't that bad, right? That sheet all gets right. heavy. Well, he, then he's like, all right, go get your other sheet off your bed. Because you have two sheets, a blanket, a pillow, pillowcase. So everybody has to run. One kid left his, like, thought he was being slick, so he put it in the floor. The drill sergeant threw it out the window, and we're on the third floor. So he had to run downstairs and get it. Then we got smoke for him being late to back to the room, not 30 seconds. And every time you're not going to make it in 30 seconds. So we get smoked, got smoked again, uh, and then did the same, balled it up, held it, had to go get our blanket off our beds, smoked again, had to go get our lock off our lockers, put it, and then he was like, all right, wrap your lock up in the middle. Well, everything's already balled up. So you had to unball everything, wrap your lock up in the middle. And the whole time you're doing like, hold it out in front of you, hold it over, squatting, whole nine. Um, so that was one night, and that lasted like an hour and a half that he smoked us for... Basically, he smoked us until it was time for us to get up for the day. So so we'd had... You know, you're, they in the Army, they allow you your eight hours of sleep. So you have to go to bed at nine, and you get to wake up at whatever eight hours later is, four, five, whatever, three. I don't know. We're bad at math. I'm terrible at math. Terrible at math. Nine, ten. Five, five. So if we had to get up earlier than 5 a.m., we they'd make us, they would cut our personal time short because that was from 8 to 9. We'd have to go to bed earlier. Um, but then you had an hour-long fire guard shift in the middle of that at some point. And then if something like this happened, you know, they just, just didn't get sleep, yeah. which was a lot of nights, but this was excessive. It wasn't excessive. It was, it was over what normally happened. Um... So that was one, and then we had a guy got caught. Um, he originally got caught sneaking brass back from the range. And then when they went through all his stuff, they found, I don't know, all the snack, Licky and Chewies from the MREs and stuff in his locker that he was hoarding and would, like, eat on his fire guard shifts and stuff. 
and they found all this contraband in his so it was pretty early on, so we got we got pretty messed up for that too. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. That one was just a straight just smoke session. There was no games. It was just Okay. Yeah. Alright. Um they threw a mattress out the window one time from the third floor. They were going through doing room checks and we were doing PT down in our PT field behind our barracks. And I can see like I we're we're like doing push ups and flutter kicks and all this stuff and I'm looking up at our barracks and I can see stuff like flying by the windows and like lockers falling over. Then the drill because it was like if your bed wasn't made perfect, it got tossed. If your lock was open, your locker got tossed, you know. Um and there was a whole bay where nothing was done right. All the beds were crap. Locker, like three locks were unlocked, you know. And so that bay, it wasn't my bay, thankfully. It was the one next to mine. But the way I was looking at the windows, I thought it was mine. And he opens up these big windows we had on the side of the building. And he's like, he starts yelling at us out the window while we're doing PT. And then we just see this blue prison mattress just out the window and come tumbling down to the sidewalk. Yeah, man. It was awesome. We only got one, like, just beyond the normal smoke sessions Mm -hmm. and it was because you remember like any kind of like cake or pie or anything dessert was called like fatty cake yep yeah so it's just like you don't need that unless you're a fatty right and that's just what they called it and they're like don't touch it so one dude he told us he's like it's my birthday i'm gonna get a fatty cake we're like don't do it dude Dude, like it's not worth it like we're all gonna get punished for it yeah and he's like i don't care i want it it's my birthday. It's the one thing I can control. And I was like, you are a fucker. You are. You a, know what's going to happen. So dumb. <laughs> he got it. Oh, man. And he walked right by the drill set. You could just see it. Like, I was being a W. I was always at the back of the line. Yeah. So, like, I could perceive, like, everything that's going on. And I'm just like. Oh, this is going to be bad. You just, you just oh, start, God. like. He didn't. Drill sergeant didn't even <laughs> say anything. He's just like. Yeah, okay. that little, like, okay, I gotcha. Okay. And he came up, we, like, we were waiting for it in the bay. And uh, he came up and he goes, rifles, helmets, knee pads. Yeah. And then walked out and we we're like, oh, God. Oh, and, no. And uh, so we're, like, towing the line. And it's, <laughs> he comes in, he goes, iron mics until I get tired. Yeah. And it was legit four plus hours. Oh, wow. Cause it was immediately after dinner mm-hmm. until like bedtime. Yeah. And it was just lunging and he wanted to hit the knee pads where to hear the clicks. Yeah. Hear it clicking. And then like the rifles over the head, over your head the whole time. And dude, at some point, like your arms start to get tired and like, yeah. you're, you're like bearing the rifle down into your helmet and everything. And then you're like, and, like holding it back up. And my knee has not hurt that bad. Or my knees haven't hurt that bad since um, literally like last week when I ran 18 miles. Yeah. And like my my knee was, my right knee was killing me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, it hasn't hurt this bad since basic it's, training. Yeah. Because it was just on fire. Because it just, you, you, you hear like until I get tired and you're like, okay, okay it's probably going to be an hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours. He legit got tired dude, of watching it, y'all do that. Dude, it was four plus hours. Yeah. It was terrible. Now, AIT, when I got there in San Antonio, dude, that was a different beast. The the drill sergeants there, they had, been, they had a reputation of like, oh, AIT drill sergeants are 
easier and like they're easier on people right and they were like not here we're not so the company i was in uh it's foxtrot they wanted to be the hardest company there and so for medic there's one battalion that trains medics in the army it's um 232 medical battalion um uh fort sam houston san antonio there's alpha through foxtrot and then golf companies for like broke people so if you're so broke you can't train you go to golf company and rehab until you can integrate back into a new company um so foxtrot uh fucked up falcons man that's where we were and um we had a bunch of disciplinary issues with guys just you know you get a little taste of freedom you don't have the because as you as you progress so but when you get there you're basically still in basic right um their thumbs on you you can't go anywhere you know whole nine and then you move up in phases and by the end of it you're able to like go out on weekends and um walk around the base in civilian clothes when you're not in class and that kind of stuff so you get your freedom little bits of time over, over 16 weeks you yeah. earn your freedom um you don't get any freedom until you pass your emtb and then you get a little more then you pass like your trauma checkoffs and you get a little more and then the last two weeks i think or right before graduation you get your like phase five or whatever and it's you can like go out and do stuff but like day one people were like trying to sneak out and uh go like buy beer and cigarettes and stuff and one chick got her hands on some alcohol and drank so much that in the middle of final formation that night walked over behind they had a, a drill sergeant van so they could transport us back and forth to like the hospital if we needed to and uh to like appointments and stuff she went over behind the drill sergeant's van and uh peed and then fell over in it and like was unconscious <laughs> and one of the one of the other uh medics in training was like drill sergeant so and so's unconscious <laughs> and they're like what so they like oh no and they ran over there and realized like she's hammered we're like four days in dude we got smoked all night it felt like um they wanted everyone to meet the um 20k what no what is it the standard three hour ruck for 12 miles oh yeah 12 miles 12 miles three hours three hours 35 pounds dry weight yeah so they they would we would do that twice a week we would ruck that because they wanted everybody and no and it until the very end like we had people falling out left and right and but the pace they were setting for our rucks as a medic was that pace three hours it's it's hard i've I've tried to do it and like it's not easy dude it's not like at the end of it like dude you are like steaming i've done it here in like the hills of lj yeah and like going up and down the roads and like man you're like did your downhills you're 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 hustling and then like on the uphills you just walk at a good pace yeah but you cannot you're moving at a good clip like you cannot stop yeah and those were rough we would do that at minimum once a week on on Fridays, and a lot of times we do it twice a week. We do it like Tuesday, Friday. We do it, and then the other days we do normal calisthenics and PT and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, it's not easy for sure. No, so they just wanted, and we would get up an hour earlier than every other company, and we would PT like thirty minutes to an hour later than every company. That was just our normal day stuff. We would, and all the other companies would get up, PT, 
go to their rooms and do hygiene, and then march to Chow. The Chow Hall was a mile away from our barracks. So they marched to Chow. We would get up an hour early, PT until breakfast, do a IBA run to breakfast, eat breakfast, and then IBA run after eating breakfast back to the company. Then they give us per, uh, your, hygiene your plate time. Carrier. Yeah, your plate carrier. Yeah. And then they would give us uh, hygiene time. So we PT'd from when we got up past breakfast all the way. So. Nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good for me, and um, I appreciate it now. But in the moment, like every day, I was like, I don't want to make this running because running to Chow was all uphill, you know, and you're already tired. And then and coming you're back, you're full. Yeah, and then coming back, you're full because you've eaten. You don't want to eat, but you know you have to. So now you're full of food, and you got to run a mile and 1.2 miles or something like that back to your barracks. Yeah. Every, yeah, it was... It was rough. Dude, I went to airborne school directly out of basic training. Yeah. Or, or technically, I went to, I um, can't remember what it was called. They gave it an acronym. Um, but I went to Jackson for like not even a week mm-hmm. because they're like, do they want to make sure that you're ready for airborne um, before you go? Right. Um, so because like we're the only MOS as a parachute rigger who has to go to airborne school before our AIT. Okay. Because it's like you got to know how to sense. jump that makes to sense. be able to pack those shoots. Right. Um, so I was at Jackson for like four days, and they are just like, you're going to get a PT test, and they just want to make sure you could pass that PT test. I was like, I do not want to be here. Because there are some of them there that were like, dude, I've been here for like four weeks, five weeks, and I'm like, no, nah, man. I was like, I'm out of here on Thursday. Yeah. I was like, when that thing, like when we do that PT test, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pass. Yeah. And there was, yeah. I did it. Then immediately went to Airborne at um, Benning. Uh, was there for three weeks. But it's like on the weekends, you get, like, they treat you like adults there. So right. it's like at the end of the day, you're free to do whatever you want. Yep. The weekend, you can go home. Yeah. So I did all that. Like, I ended up, like, having my car. Like, I was, like, driving back and forth because, yeah. like, I had lived so close. And then you go back to AIT and you're like, Man, oh, prison again. <laughs> dang it. I had a taste of freedom. Yeah, it well, was, that was it, like it was nice though. That was like holiday block leave. So I left basic, came home for two weeks and was home and saw Catherine and went out on New Year's Eve with my buddies and you know, did the whole nine. And then I fly to I fly to Texas and it's like, all right, back to back to this. Back to you hell. know. Back to yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um but yeah, man, it was I circling all the way back. I'm so glad I did it. I'm glad I joined. I'm glad I yeah. did the job I I do. Um, but I'm not. I'm not staying in. I got I got two kids now, and like you were talking about earlier, Brinka, World War Three coming. If they call me before I'm out, I'll happily go and serve and so do you my still job. Your two years of IRR too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen for you. Yeah. Hopefully um, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did it too. It was it was one of those boxes that like I wanted to check because I was. Right. I remember for 9-11, I was, I believe it was like sophomore, um, watched it happen in auto tech. And then in right. first plane hit in auto tech, then we um, switched classes. Everybody was kind of weird. Yeah. TVs were on. And then you watch the second one hit. And then it was just like, okay, this is okay. Everyone's going home. Yeah. Everybody's and then going home. you're a freaking young teenager who's like just pissed off. Yeah. Um, so of course I was like, I was ready to go and not old enough. And then when I turned 18, like 
I was actually like ready to join the Marines. Yeah. And my parents like convinced me to give college a try. And for me, it just, it, it wasn't my thing. Right. So eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to try the, the army. Did all that, but deployed once. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I did. It gave me a lot of cool experiences. Yeah. Um, I think it was, nope, not that one. And maybe it was that one. Nope. There's one of them in here somewhere. Um, but, oh, that one. When I did, um, when I did Normandy, right. um, that was actually my AT for one year. It was like, we got to go over to Portugal in the Azores, um, stayed there for a night. Then we went over to London. We were supposed to do, we did their jump school crash course. We were supposed to jump way too windy. Their parachutes are a lot shallower. It's more like a Frisbee than like an actual okay. canopy. Um, so they're like, jump scratch. You guys get to go. You Yanks get to go to, to, to London <laughs> for the day. And we're like, right, cool. Sweet. So like we just got to go crash around London, uh, like pub hop and saw all the sights. And, oh, that's cool. Um, and then we went into Normandy, got to see like all the cemeteries. I uh, got to see Omaha, Utah, um, Pegasus Bridge. All go. these amazing sites. Dude, it was amazing. I want to go It was so, so awesome. I loved it. Um, but I remember, like, one of the guys I was with, he's like, he came up to me because I was just, like, one of the taller guys that went. He's like, slouch when we get in this formation. I was like, what? And he's like, slouch, trust me. I was like, okay. And then they, like, do the whole thing. And I was like, fuck this. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to stand tall. And yeah. so I got picked because I was tall. Right. Um, but I'm glad I did it because, like, I got to do the honor guard. And, like, dude, I was carrying, like, the army flag. Right. And I got to do all this other stuff that the other guys didn't get to do. So, like, for me, that was pretty That's cool. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And, like, I've told it on here before. I don't know if it was, like, the Brook or maybe it was the Bates. Um, but when we got to do Point to Hawk, where the Rangers landed, mm-hmm. um, I was literally arguing with the sergeant major and a first star general, which is the way I got that coin yeah to keep all the streamers on the army flag right um because they're like it's way too windy up here we're not gonna we're not gonna keep it on there it's just you're gonna it's gonna be too much work i was like freaking rangers landed here i was like i can hold a flag yeah (laughs) absolutely i mean to the point where like i was raising my voice to a sergeant major and a one-star general and they finally conceded to me the only specialist there everybody else was sergeants or staff sergeants and they're like all right it's on you i was like yeah. <laughs> All right. Go up the steps and like immediately it was just like, oh God. <laughs> and like <laughs> caught it. And I'm just like, I can't remember how long the ceremony was, but I was just sitting there like, yeah, just shaking from the wind. <laughs> I'm fighting this flag. Like, I'm just like my, at the end of it, my arms were exhausted. Yeah. Um, but I had a ranger in the, um, audience who came up to me and was just like, you did a great job. Holding yeah. that flag, I saw you fighting for it, and I'm just like, "That's that was." I just held a flag. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so like you that alone, did the hard part. Yeah, exactly. I just, so I, I was like, "Dude, here. super cool." Um, and then it just so happened that one of the congressmen there was there. Um, can't remember his name, but he was actually from Georgia, my okay. my district. Oh, that's cool. At the time, so I was like, "Super cool." Uh, so what I got a coincidence. A, yeah, exactly. Um. So yeah, I got to do all this cool stuff in the military, jump out of airplanes, I shrunk an inch from airborne school. Yeah, I hear that happens. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it was worth it. I'm glad yeah. I did it. I'm glad I checked that box. Yeah, same. I um, I wasn't going to. I was. I had talked about it a little bit here and there, and I was like, man, because I was 26 when I joined. So I was older than 90% of the guys who joined. Yeah, I joined you know, 18, older too. 18, 19 years old. Um, and actually, Catherine is the one that she came to me one night. We've been married 19, two years. She was like, hey, look, you talk about this a lot. Um, if you really want to do it, she's like, I've been praying about it. I've been thinking about it. And I just wanted you to know that if this is something you want to do, if you want to join the guard, I want you to do it. Because up until that point, I just thought, oh, I should have, you know. I, I wish I would have kind of deal. And then she was like, no, like, you can. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay, things kind of got real there. So it took about a week and did some research. And we were driving by Cherokee High School. She kind of pointed over to the armory. And she's like, yeah, have you have you thought about any more about it? I was like, yeah, I just, you know. She goes, well, pull in. Let's go talk to somebody. Okay, so I pulled in, and you're you're totally taking all my excuses away. Right, right. She <laughs> she was like, "Look, I mean, you're the one that says you want to do this. If you want to do it, let's do it." You know, she's yeah. like, "I'm behind you 100. percent I'll support you through everything. This is a decision we'll make together." Right. So I was very fortunate there. So we pull up, and this guy's walking out of the armory, and I'm like, "Hey, is there somebody I can talk to? You know, about joining?" He goes, "Well, I happen to be a recruiter." I'm like, "Cool, let's go talk." So we go. He Comes in, he goes into his office, uh, and he is, we're the same age. He's a medic. He's a paramedic that works on a truck. He's married. His wife was in basic. So he checked all the boxes of, like, where we would have questions. Not only did he answer them, but he answered them honestly, and he was going through it also. You know what I mean? So I think it really, it just, I think God just put him there and lined it up to where it was like, ah, that's the guy you need to talk to. Yeah. So... Uh, we're st- we still talk today. Like I'm still friends with him. Nice. Uh, yeah, very cool. He he's uh in another unit. Um, but um, super cool guy. Didn't lie to me about one thing. Uh, which not all people can say that about their recruiter. Yeah, I got he got was. Conned. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Get, I didn't get conned. Um, and I think it was because of all the similarities we had. He was he was like, "You're the first person who's not 18 that I've recruited." He only been in recruiting a couple months at that point. He goes, I really don't know a lot of your questions because your questions pertain to people who are older and I mean still with eighteen year olds who don't care. They just want yeah. a cool job. And I had questions about insurance and money and family and you know. So, um so that's how I ended up joining. Uh, and then we we went home and talked about it and I took the PiCat, which is the at home test. Oh. It's the ASVAB, but you can take it at home. And then when I went to MEPS um, I did the verification test and kept my score, scored pretty high. And they're like, you can do anything you want. I'm like, I kind of just want to be a medic. They're like, that's it? Like, you could do all these cool things. I'm like, nah, I just kind of want to be a medic. They're like, okay, cool. Sign here. So I signed up. Nice. Yeah, man. I joined because, I don't know, because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything else going on at the time. Yeah, why not? No, it's- I just promoted to sergeant, so I wasn't promoting anytime soon. Um, I wasn't getting moved anytime soon. I was kind of stagnant. I felt at the time I was kind of stagnant in my career. 
with the fire department. Like there wasn't going to be forward progression in a couple of years. So I took, took on another, took on another challenge. Nice. That seems to be what I do is I'm not being challenged or pushed. I go find one. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. man. so, yeah, dude. So, uh, the last thing I typically do, okay. um, is, uh, dad advice or just advice. Anything that advice. you could say to the world, like if you had one thing to, to give advice on, what would it be? Huh. Um, I actually read something today that kind of, I, I feel with men and especially what we do and people who are more, um, we see ourselves as these tough and kind of guys. We, we, don't listen to our emotions a lot. We're very, we're very, we keep them in and bottle them up and we make jokes about them and that's fine. Like how you handle your trauma is, is how you handle it. Um, but don't, don't ignore your emotions. Feel what you need to feel, go through what you need to go through. Uh, and there was a, a, I was reading something and it was like, like men don't cry kind of deal. And then there was a passage and it said, Jesus wept. Uh, and I thought, Okay, if if Jesus can sit here and cry over something that he's going through and emotions he's feeling, a hundred percent man, um, then I can too. I can feel my emotions. I can have what I what I need. I can I can take time to take care of myself. Um, so I, I I think that if I could just talk to anybody and tell them, one, it's okay what you're going through and what you're feeling. You know, you're allowed to feel what you feel and you're allowed to have your emotions emotions aren't right or wrong they just are and i think people get hung up on their emotions as like well i shouldn't feel this way or i should feel worse about this or whatever and your emotions are just your emotions they're not right or wrong so feel what you need to feel do what you need to do to take care of yourself be um stable for those people around you take care of yourself and it's okay to it's okay to feel what you need to feel man so um and i say that because Having a kid, you're going to have some emotions coming up that you've never been through before. And it's okay to, it's okay to feel that way or be frustrated or be sad or whatever. And, um, that's just something I try to, try to remember. Um, so yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah, dude. Love it. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, coming up here. Yeah, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks. I've really enjoyed it. All right. Well, bye, everybody. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please follow us on your favorite podcast app. Hit that bell for notifications on new episodes. And please share with a friend. Thank you for all the support so far. I really appreciate it. Have a great day.